We are finishing up today the series we've been doing on resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. And with that series, we've started from the very beginning. We've started from mankind coming into earth um, and how Adam's sin brings into mankind death to all. All right, and that kind of, we plummet at the very beginning of the series and say death happens, it comes as soon as sin uh, shows up in this earth, the first murder happens the second generation in with Cain and Abel, and from there on out, God's plan begins to take place. And so we see that the prophets, God and to give the prophets power, particularly Elijah and Elisha, to raise the dead. And we look at that, and, and people, as they live, they say, oh, the prophets, they've got the power to do this. Except, and it's, and it's an unusual thing, and it happens once in a, in a while, um, but except after Elisha's done, of course, the bones of Elisha are hit by a dead body and it raises that body right up and with that resurrection we find that the real power is with God and not with man all right so God is teaching us a lesson he's beginning to show us where the power comes from and then we're going to start to see the progression of God's lessons through the Bible Next, we get to Jesus, and he raises people from the dead. And we watch as he raises a little girl who has died moments ago. And then we watch as he raises the son of the widow of Nain, who has died just a while ago and literally is in the middle of the funeral possession, stops, and he, and he raises him from the dead right then and there, okay? And then we see as he raises Lazarus from the dead, and Re Lazarus is already dead and buried, and they believe he's already going to stink because he's starting to rot. All right, so what that teaches us, that progression, is that there is no timetable with God's resurrection. Jesus was not concerned about getting back to see Lazarus before the body started to rot. He's not concerned about the time. And so all of these questions and these things we've learned step by step through the Bible, we start to form ideas about what is really important and what's really going to happen in the future. Now, after that, Jesus, of course, in a triumphant way, Jesus raises himself from the dead. All right? Ultimate power is with the Lord in raising himself, and he himself has that power. And we begin to track and trace, and we see death came to everybody through Adam. And finally, we said Jesus, when he raised himself from the dead, he was what we called the first fruits of the resurrection. He's not the first one to be raised from the dead, but he's the first fruits. And 
that basically meant that he was the first one with the renewed body. All of those other people that were raised from the dead were going to die again. Okay? But Jesus is the first of that crop that is changing all of eternity, and Jesus will never die again. And we looked at that in Revelation. He was dead and alive forevermore. All right? So we see that. And when he raises himself from the dead, along with him come some other people. Right? Some of those bodies of some saints at the time of Jesus' resurrection, he kind of, uh, with that, grabs some extra, we'll call it. He grabs some extras, and they go, and they uh, go out into Jerusalem, and uh, there's good old Aunt Flo or whoever, and she just shows up. She's been dead and buried for, for a while. Boom, she shows up and walks in, and I'm sure people almost drop dead saying, who are you? Why, how'd you get here? All right? But the power of Christ's resurrection is so all-enveloping that so much is happening, he is shaking the foundations of other dimensions. Okay? And we saw that last week when those raised from the dead. He went into that place, right, that we call Hades. All right? And we saw that in Hades, originally, um, there's kind of two sides. There's a big gulf in between. No one can pass in between. There's two sides. One side is paradise. All right? And the other side, we've loosely called it Hades, or sometimes people use the word hell for that, or Gehenna. There's a bunch of different things. The, the burning place. There's a bunch of different ideas that get you there. But when Jesus came into that place, that holding place... He preached after he had died, and he did not join his body yet, it seems, at that point. He came, he preached down there, and then he takes the people with paradise and leaves that and brings them up into the presence of God. Okay, So he's started to vacate this place that we only know a little bit about. Now, the rest of the people are left there for a while. The people on the Hades side are left there for a while because the story's not finished. And that's where we're going to finish some of the story today as we look and see what happens with what's going on. All right? So, we're going to talk about the culmination of this whole resurrection. Jesus is the first fruits, and now we're going to look at the whole reaping. The whole harvest of what's going on. Okay? So, <clears throat> when we have uh, youth events, sometimes we've had a whole bunch of kids. And we take them different places and do different things with them. Hard to keep track of a lot of kids when you're out and about with them. And we thought it was a good idea not to lose any of them. So <laughs> we, an we ended up giving them numbers, and that's what we found works pretty well. And each time that we say, oh, yeah, let's count them off, everybody has an assigned number. 
And every kid, one, two, three, four, five, and they go through there. Invariably, we lose a number somewhere along the line and have to go find them. Or some kid forgets their number, and I'm not sure how. You had one number to remember this whole weekend, okay? <laughs> but the idea is we make a roll call and say, who's here? You're all mine. You belong to me. I want to hear every single number, and I want you to get through to number 10, 15, 20, wherever we are, and we remember how many. Uh, we really hope somebody doesn't call some number twice. That's Because <laughs> we may end up with one less. But the idea is we want to know you're all here. Okay? And that is what we're going to talk about is that call. There's a call that is going to go out and Jesus is going to sound off that call. Now let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians to see that call. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and this is kind of the final call for everybody in my group. This is the final call that Jesus makes for the uh, resurrection from the dead, those who will be raised to a glorious body, okay? The one that Jesus was the first fruits of, he says, now we're getting the whole harvest, okay? This is the time for the whole harvest of it. All right, so we're going to look at the whole harvest, the final thing. And remember, so we walk from all of humanity goes into death. We see God's power. Yes, it's resurrection. No, there's no timetable. He can do it at any time with any person. It doesn't matter if the bodies are rotted or not. He doesn't care. That's not, that's not tough for him to deal with that. All right? And... Then we see he himself raises the power, becomes the first ones of these, grabs a few extra ears as he's going, okay? Uh, but then we've got this final harvest, and that's the exciting one we're looking at. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and we're going to go to verse number 50. So we understand first the nature of this resurrection. Verse number 50, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. All right? So, Paul is saying this. There is something going to happen here. And we talk about the resurrection at this last resurrection. It is your body raised from the dead, but it is going to be changed. It must be changed because he said the old body is what's left behind after the curse has torn you down and all of your genetics and all everything that you have, you're not what you could be. Because under the curse, you have been limited and pressed down and pushed down. And under hundreds and hundreds of years of this curse, all of nature has been repressed, okay, under the curse. Sin does nothing but kill and destroy. And our world has been full of death. We've never seen a world that's just full of life. 
We've never seen what that is. Everything we look at, you cut a tree down to build something out of it, you kill the tree. We don't know what it's like to live in a world without death in it. But we will. We will see it. Now that's beyond our thinking, okay, right now. It is difficult. You can think of the concept, but your life is so touched by death in so many ways right now, but that will be changed forever. Because we live in the corrupted world. But you cannot cross over into the incorrupted world, into the presence of God, in that corrupted body. And so Jesus says, you will be changed. Paul says, you have to be changed. Some of you, even though you're not going to die, some of us will make it to that last time when that, that call is made, and you won't die, but you've got to be changed. And God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to change you, and just like that, it'll be done. I'll change you into an incorruptible body, one that is not full of aches and pains and beyond that, aging, and beyond that, death, and beyond that, the effects of sin in our hearts, our minds, and all of that. This is God will wipe away all the tears, all the effects, all the things of this earth that have been dirty and terrible and awful, and the things that have destroyed hope oftentimes within the human race, all of that gets washed away. And God says, I'm going to make something new. Jesus began it in his ministry. Behold, I make all things new. And when he raises himself of his own power, he begins that, that trajectory and says, I got the plan. It's already there. It's in motion. So let it all play out. Okay, so here we go, and we're watching to see what happens next. Verse number 52, we must be changed. That's what we have to have. All right, verse, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, or that is as fast as you blink your eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. All right, it happens just like that. That's the call for those who know the Lord. There's a trumpet. It's going to sound out. You'll say, well, I don't know what it sounds like. I guarantee you will know that it's for you. Okay? <laughs> I guarantee he has no problem communicating it directly with you, and you won't have any way other than to go. You will be brought out wherever you are, and that doesn't matter if you've been laid in the ground for 3,000 3, years. Doesn't matter. Because we've said there's no timetable. Right? We learned that already. It doesn't matter. Whether your body, every single atom of it is washed away into some, in the sea somewhere, it makes no difference to God. He has no boundaries in that way. He knows every single one of the molecules that belong to you. All right? And beyond that, he is going to raise that body and change it. Boom. You're ready. You're in, in an incorruptible status. All right. Just like that. Verse number 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality, so we can live forever. So when this corruptible shall have put on an 
incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we believe that we will be called. That's what it says right there. We will be called at some moment. And all of those who have repented in their heart, who have followed the Lord, will be called up. They will know. They'll know their number, right? Number 13 or whatever it is, right? And they'll say, here I am. And you will come up and you will report in our new resurrected bodies. Boom. It happens in the twinkling of an eye. And death will no longer have power over anything that we touch anymore. No more aging, no more death, no more pain, no more tears, no more effect of sin. Because he has wiped out the grave, he has wiped out death, he has taken all that away, and he is going to do a final thing we're going to see in, in a few moments here. He, is, he has a final move to say it's forever. It's over. Death no more has dominion over us. Now, he broke that power when he rose himself from the dead. He broke the power of death. All right? He holds, and we read that in Revelation, he holds the keys of hell and death. He's in charge. He's the one that can get in the door. He can lock it up. He can open it up. He can throw it away. Whatever he wants to, he's in charge of it. And so... It has no more sting, no more power. Because even when we pass from this world, we are in God's hands totally. Until this last trumpet shall sound and we shall be raised. So know this, he says, be steadfast and unmovable, fighting, always following the Lord to the last moment. Because this is not in vain that you do that. It is not in vain. When you do that, Christ will come and give you the victory over the grave, over everything. All right? Be steadfast in that. Do not give up. Persevere in your faith, in your belief in God. Don't uh, stop and say, ah, never mind about this whole thing. It's just too hard. Keep going. When it knocks you down in life, because it will... And it kicks you down again three or four more times in a row before you can even get up again. Get right back up. Ask for forgiveness. Look to the Lord for strength. Remain faithful to the end because it will not be in vain. You will not have wasted your effort or your energy. And what a day when everybody is raised. We wait. We have hope because we can now through Christ. We have hope. Now over there on the wall is a bunch of signs. And we keep adding to that plaque. That is everybody in our church who has been here, been a follower of the Lord, here in our church, one of our family, and who has passed on and is waiting 
for the day. They are not called those who are gone. It is not in memoriam of them. It is as a reminder to us because it's labeled as the church triumphant. Right? We will have victory. That's what we believe. That's the difference between uh, believing in God and every other belief in the world. Is that we believe in victory through Christ. And that though not a single one of us is perfect, it's not our perfection that gets us there. It's Christ's perfection that gets us there. All right? So here it is, the church triumphant. We will be reunited in that day, and he will stick us up, pull us out of the ground. Now, this is kind of a weird thing to think about because what about those people that are gone now? And we said, yeah, he pulled them out of paradise, and then they're in the presence of God in heaven. When he rose from the dead, so are they just like these floating spirits around? Are they, what, what are they like? Well, we do know a few things. We saw a few little clues along the way of people that had gone over to the other side and were given a moment back in here on earth. Sometimes seconds, sometimes minutes, maybe even hours. We saw a few things throughout, and if you looked, you would see a story about Saul who tried to call up Samuel, and it was done uh, in an incorrect way, and God surprised him and really sent Samuel, okay? And Samuel came, and everybody knew in that room that it was Samuel immediately. So we see that they're recognizable, the people on the other side, people that have passed, are recognizable. We also saw Jesus as he was being transfigured, standing on the mountain. Disciples, the closest disciples are with him. And here shows up two figures, people that have not lived for hundreds of years. They've never seen a picture of these people. They do not know. And yet they know immediately that's Moses and Elijah. How do they know that? Well, clearly... God has somehow enabled them to be completely uh, recognizable. So those who have passed over on the other side, we have good reason to believe that they are in some form, whether bodily, temporarily, something, and definitely with their spirit and soul, personality, what makes them up, all of that's very clear. So when you go on and pass on and you see uh, your mother or your father, you will know immediately. And guess what? You'll probably know people that you never met before. You will understand and know who they are. There is a definite ability to be able to understand relationships. When you think about it, God created those things about us. God created Spirit, our spirits. He created our souls that, that gives us our personality, our, uh, our sense of humor, and our demeanor, and all of that. He created our bodies too, and He loves all those pieces of us. And so He's not 
there to take us away and knock us all down. He wants us. He loves us. He has a relationship with us. And so the idea is the people on the other side, those people that have passed over, have those aspects still. And they are very clear. And all of those not-so-good aspects that come with sin and struggle and all those things, those have been washed away, wiped away. So I get to be my best on the other side, all right? My family doesn't always see my best. (laughs) They see other sides of me, maybe at my least patient times and my least kind words at moments, okay? But those things is where God says, I, I took all that away. The things of sin I took away. All right? And I'm giving you this brand new body and life without tears. All right? Life without sin. It is going to be something like we have never seen or felt before. We have been so crushed down and pushed into this body and this world with curse that it's hard for us to even think about that. What would it even be like? I don't know, but I'm guessing pretty amazing. Pretty, pretty amazing. Okay? So God has taken those things and given us victory over death. When we're resurrected, we are then going to join with our eternal, immortal bodies at the final call. All right? So we need to look and see because something else is happening in the background. All right? Let's turn to Revelation. At the time of this, or somewhere around the time, and we don't know the exact time of that last call. No one does. And if anybody tells you they know exactly how every event will take place uh, in Revelation and through all the end times, then they're lying to you. Because Jesus said that no man knows the day or the time. Okay? So we know events. We know they'll happen. Some things have sort of a natural progression. But all we know is we're waiting and we're ready. That's the point. When Jesus talks about the end times, he says, look up for your redemption draws nigh. That means pay attention in your life and don't get complacent. Be ready. Because it could happen at any time. Just be ready and have a relationship with me and all these things I'll take care of you through all of it. No worries. All right. Revelation chapter number 20. Because there's something happening just like when Jesus went to this other realm, this other dimension, when he was resurrected, just like when he did that, at the very end times, around that last trumpet call, something else will happen, and he will complete what he started after the death came here, and actually what he started before the foundations of the world in his in his mind, all right? So, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10. This is after all sorts of things have happened at the end times. Here we are, the final blow, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay? So, 
Satan and the beast or Antichrist and the false prophet who are people that will rise up, characters that will rise up in the end times to fulfill the plan and as evil is allowed to take its own course as it is allowed not to be pulled back and pushed down so much. But God says, okay, go ahead. Run your course. And evil runs its course and it will just explode faster than you can imagine. As that happens, the Antichrist and the false prophet will step on the scene. There's a whole lessons and series we could do on all of that. But in the very end, when that's all run its course, Jesus takes him and says, you're done forever. And the place that he created is called the lake of fire. And it was created for Satan who turned against God and all of those who followed Satan from heaven. Fallen angels, or we call them demons. Okay, When it happened there, God says, I have created this for your demise. And so the Antichrist and the false prophet also get thrown in there. Unfortunately, in God's plan of salvation, there are those who will not accept his plan. And though the lake of fire was not created for them, that is where they will end up. Okay? Those who would not have God in life will not have God in eternity. They make a choice in life, I will not have you. I do not want you. But that choice becomes eternal after living a life saying, I don't want you in my life. I never want any of your things. Well, when God really takes his presence away from them, and he turns his back on them because they would not have him, that is a sad, sad day, and we don't even know what it's like to live without the blessings of God. We wake up every day, and the sun shines, and the water's out there, and there's nature all around us. We are lavished with gifts from God all around us. When all of the wonderful gifts of God get taken away, what is left? Sorrow, sadness, sin, loneliness, nothing left. That's the absence of God, and there, there's nothing good about it. It's torturous. But of those who won't have God, he will give them their choice. Let's continue in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was no, there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. So all the dead are called up to give account before this great white throne. And the great white throne is where the Lord sits and separates out those who would have him and those who would not have him. He knows every thought and everything that was done in every person's life. 
And he says, would you or would you not have me? And that's the moment where he says, you would not, you're there, and if you are, you come with me. Those who are, are written, it says, in the book of life. And that's where we sing that song, okay? There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Because he wrote our names in the book of life. And that is never to be blotted out. God makes no mistakes. He knows exactly our thoughts. He knows exactly our willingness to listen and to come to him, our love for him. And he is not looking for perfection. But as we stand before him, we will stand those people who are, everyone will be judged by their works, but those who have accepted Christ, it says, will be covered by his righteousness. And that's the only reason we pass by. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Right? We will stand not because of our own works, that they were good enough, not because we said enough good things or vacuumed the rug often enough in church or anything like that, but because Christ's love was deep enough to die for us and give us a chance, and we, after he poked us and pushed us and got us there, we finally says, okay. And that's about all we did. Okay. And then the Spirit came and then filled us and began to change us. We finally, under our uh, grumpy old self, just agreed to say, okay, God, you can. All we do, we bring nothing to this whole thing. Jesus brings all of it. And Jesus is going to cover us with righteousness at that moment. And my name will be written in the book of life, not because I stand up here and teach, not because I've done anything right. I've done lots and lots of wrong things. And if I stood on my own, Jesus would say, you're out. But if I stand in Christ's righteousness, covered by him, I'm in. Nothing to do with what we did. And beyond that, we will see that those who are dressed in Christ's righteousness, he's going to reward us way beyond what we deserve for the things we did. And all we did was what he prompted us and pushed us and helped us to do. And yet he's going to say, I'm going to reward you for that. Be pretty small and insignificant in the standing in the sight of Christ in that day. And so, the most exciting thing is, because he did that, we're written in the book of life, if we just accept him in our life, we then can be resurrected on that day. When that last trumpet sounds, up we come. Out of the graves, from across all of history, across the world, doesn't matter if you were buried at sea, where you were, and everybody stands, and those who did not accept him, also stand in judgment. And they, their works, and I have talked to people say, I think I got it good enough covered to get in heaven. You ain't going to get good enough. God's not going to say, well, I weighed it. And I said, everything is going to be, nope, you didn't have enough. If you don't have Christ's righteousness, it's not enough. It's not enough. And so God does that amazing 
separation right at that point. And then he finishes the whole job. Verse number 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There it is. The final thing. If you're not written in the book of life, everything else goes. All that that is left with the curse. All of the things involved with sin and the curse that crippled this world. He has made the final blow and says, death, you're gone. I don't need that anymore. Hell, you're gone. And so he finishes this whole thing, throws it all into the lake of fire. It's finished. The first half he did when he was resurrected. The second half he does at the final judgment, and it's gone. He is finished, and eternity begins. And it's amazing, because we are able to be a part of it. All we needed to do is say, yes, God. That's literally all we needed to do was listen and say, yes, God, I will. Yes, God, I will. And so, forevermore, we will be with the Lord. That's the most exciting part of this whole resurrection part, is that we get to be a part of the final harvest. We get to have a chance to be a part, to join that great trumpet sound and stand up and say, I'm here, I'm here. Number 13, whatever it is, and be reunited with all of those who have loved. The church triumphant. All of those who have loved the Lord before, we go to be with them forever with the Lord. And there we are. That's the exciting part of the resurrection. We stand up and get to be a part of it, and we never deserve one lick of it. But he says, you can, because I love you. You can. Just follow me. Just believe. You can do it. Come with me. And we get to stand up and say, there it is, and walk into eternity and rejoice forevermore and all of the sin and sorrow and death, it's, it's all gone. It's all gone. We see something. So that's the most exciting thing. And my name is written in the book of life. It gives me an opportunity I never could have had because he loved me. The way to finish up resurrection, to see the power that he has done, to be part of that last harvest of which Jesus was the first fruit. And... What an amazing thing it is. And so as we approach Easter, we say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. Who had any idea that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Right? Died for us so that we could have eternity with him. Part of this resurrection, the great power of God, and see it, and we'll stand up when that last trumpet sounds. Thank you very much. Have a good day.